really want today to be helpful. And we are going to walk very tenderly in the innermost circles of your heart and hopefully tear down a barrier that is preventing more revelation. So let me remind you of the emphasis that we found in the scriptures on the wheat and the tares. What are the four possibilities? What are the two? What are the two good ones? I see wheat and what you were was wheat and I judged correctly. How many times in your life did you judge correctly and you let the right person in? And it made a huge difference by letting the right person in, right? What's the other positive? I saw tear and you were tear and I kept a poison out. I avoided a major danger. But what are the two challenges? And they seem to be, if the prominence, if the Book of Mormon's emphasis is saying anything, it's a concern of the Savior that this happens in our day. What is the Noah problem? I saw friend and you were foe. I saw wheat and you were tear. And I let a poison in. Perhaps one of the biggest things that's inhibiting the ability to feel and act on the Spirit are some of the poisons we've let into our lives. I've let poison into my life. So that was last week. So we've got one left, right? What's the other danger? I mistook you for a tear. And what you are is wheat. Now this one poisons me, right? What does this one do? Starves me. I kept out something that would have been tremendously influential. So perhaps one of the biggest obstacles to me hearing him are letting the wrong people in, hanging around with the wrong people, getting engaged in the wrong causes. But what's the other obstacle to hearing him better? Not letting the right people, the right things in. So allow me to go right to the very center of your heart. One of the great Abinadi's that we keep out as a distance is the Savior himself. I think every one of us love him dearly. And at the same time, are terrified of him. If I were to tell you he's in the next room waiting for you, what would your emotions be? Simultaneously, what would they be? Happy. Thrilled. Thrilled. And terrified, right? Let me give you an example. Someone's breaking into your house. You hear an intruder breaking into your house. What two colors flashing outside your window would make you feel very comfortable, much relieved? Red and blue. I'm safe, right? But when you're driving down the street, what two colors behind you make you absolutely terrified? <laughs> Same two colors. We love them and we're terrified of them, right? I don't know anyone who is more worthy of our love and yet comes with this, I'm scared to death of him. And because we're scared to death of him, what do we all do? We all do it. 
We keep him at a distance. We keep our greatest friend at a distance. And we don't fully let him in. Now tell me that's going to have an impact on your ability to feel revelation. One of the biggest one of the biggest wheat we see as tear is Jesus himself. Let me illustrate. Let's use the scriptures. Turn with me to the woman with the issue of blood. So let's find it. Turn with me. We're going to use Mark's account and Luke's account. All of them, or three of them talk about it. But the one I want to use the most is Mark and Luke. So let's go to Mark 5. I have to pull up two versions here. Okay, so let's do Mark chapter 5 and Luke chapter 8. You can also find it in Matthew 9, but we're just going to use Mark and Luke, mostly Mark. Okay, so let's do Mark chapter 5, verse 21. Well, it starts in 21 when Jairus comes and says, Lay thy hands upon her and she shall live. So they're on their way. How come I lost the screen? Mark chapter 5. Verse 21. Well, we're going to start. She comes in into verse 25, but it starts with the Jairus, and they're on their way to Jairus' house to save the daughter. And a woman which had an issue of blood. Now, allow me to... An issue of blood is a female problem. She has had a female problem nonstop for 12 straight years. And anyone who knows, every woman in the room is saying what? I would rather die. This woman has been to doctor after doctor after doctor, and no one could help her. In fact, she grew worse. Imagine a nonstop female issue, 12 years. Now, under the law of Moses, she can't touch anyone. Anyone touches her, they're unclean. She can't go to church. She can't go to the synagogue. She can't be around anyone. Her life has been dramatically altered, if not completely shut down, by this issue. She's desperate, isn't she? Now, she hears that Jesus can heal her, and that idea thrills her because we love him, right? And we have faith in him, and we do trust that he can heal us. And so she thinks to herself, now, can she walk up and touch him? Can she say, give me a blessing, Jesus? If he lays her hands upon her head, or if, he touch, if she touches him or he touches her, he's unclean, and she doesn't want to do that to him. So she has what idea? What's her idea? I'll touch the hem of his garment. Now, when I say hem modernly, you're going to think the hem of my pants. That's not hem of his garment. The hem of his garment, he would have had a little shawl that, that had blue tassels that fell down right here. And when he walked, he would have thrown the tassel over his shoulder. Where is the hem of his garment? Behind him. Tell me what she wants to do. I want to be healed, but I want to do it how? I want to sneak up behind him and take a blessing from him. Notice this word. Notice in the next verse, verse 27. She came up behind him. Tell me why. What's she thinking? I love him. I trust him. I know he can heal me. And the next word out of my mouth is, but there it is. There's the wall. There's the wall that goes up. 
And I keep the person who can most help me at a distance. I will sneak up and take a blessing from behind him. Could you just not notice me? Could you just not notice me? Can I not draw attention? Now, as soon as she touches him, tell me what happens. Straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Tell me the emotion in her heart. When she knew she was healed and everything's back to normal, tell me the emotion in her heart. Absolute thrill, wouldn't you say? Wouldn't you agree? Now, may I suggest that's the Messiah we hope he is. The one we talk about all the time in church. The one I hope he is. The he's going to heal me. He can make all my problems go away. I can have that relief. I can have that sense of joy. Now, what changes her joy? He says, who touched me? And instantaneously, what's her emotion? Oh, crap. Oh, crap. Now, this is the Messiah I'm worried he might be. You see, we're kind of stuck between these two, aren't we? Oh, crap. He knows. What's her assumption? He's, he's what? What's her assumption? What would be your assumption? Who touched me? He's mad. He's mad. Now, how many times... Do you get the phone call? The bishop would like to meet with you on Sunday. <laughs> and instantaneously, your assumption is, what does he know? What does he know, right? Oh, crap. And there it is. There's the Messiah I'm worried he might be. He knows everything I've ever done. Of all the people in the universe, who should be the most disappointed in me? Jesus. And that's what I'm worried about, right? He knows everything. He knows, he, he, can, he knows everything. I can't hide it. And so I don't know if I fully want to face him because I'm worried the reaction's going to be what? Oh. So tell me what she does. Now, this is where we lead, need Luke. Okay? Tell me where, so everyone turn to Luke chapter 9. Uh, 8, sorry. Mark, uh, Matthew 9. It's Luke 8. Everyone turn to Luke chapter 8. Now, I can't do this in two windows this way, so I'm going to have to jump. So jump, jump to Luke chapter 8. After Jesus says, who touched me? Tell me what the woman does. Look at verse 45. Who touched me? Tell me about this. Now, how far away is she? How far? Jesus walking, so she touches him, and he says, who how far away is she? She's not far, right? 
So when he turns around, she's got to be right there. Now, tell me what this suggests. What was her answer to the question, who touched me? Tell me what's going on in her heart. I'm terrified of him, the man who just healed her. And there's the reality we all face. Because he knows everything. He's the most disappointed in me. Because he knows everything. I can't hide anything from him. I think that's it. He's mad. The assumption is he's disappointed in me. He knows all that I've done. We impose upon him the human emotion that I've let him down. And he's disappointed in me. And I don't really want to face him. And so, what was her reaction? Who touched me? <laughs> Not me. Now, we got to piece this together. She just said, Not me. Now, go back to Mark. Tyler, what were you going to say? You were going to add something. Oh, I was just going to say, I think sometimes we, we deny like she because we're worried that he's going to take away. Yeah, take the blessing away. Yeah. It's too good to be true. Yeah. It's too good to be true, and I'm going to lose it. The other shoe is going to drop any minute now. And we're just terrified of him. So notice what, let me, let's piece this together. When all denied, now let's see if, play this out. Play this out. Look at verse 32. Act this out. What would you, how, do you, how do you have this scene acting out? Look at that. Look at the red part. What would you act out? He just said, who touched me? Not me. I didn't do it. It wasn't me. I didn't ask for a healing. I'm not healed of a 12-year blood issue. Tell me what he does. I think this is a beautiful moment. Tell me what he's doing. He's... I'm waiting, Bryce. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for you to open that door and tear that wall down. In your fear and trembling, he's just waiting. I think he's looking at her. I think he's staring right at her. He's not saying anything. I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait for you. But I am waiting for you to open the door and tear this barrier down. Now, this is a beautiful moment. What does she do? I think looking in his eye and seeing his eye, what did she do? I think this is one of the bravest moments of all time. Fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down and told him the truth. I'm the one that touched you, Lord. I know. Now, is he this? Is he the Messiah we're worried he is? Is he really the one I'm terrified of or is he the one I hope him to be? What's the first word out of his mouth? Did he need to say anything else? Tell me what that one word says to you. 
What did he say in that one word? Daughter. I hear him say, why are you afraid of me? Why the assumptions? Why are you afraid of me? Why do you put the wall up and keep me out? Daughter, with all my soul, I would plead that you hear him say, Daughter, son, he is that Messiah. Let me do a personal story and then let me, we'll do a C.S. Lewis story. Um, Satan knew how to get me off my mission. He knew. I had such high expectations of myself. He knew that he just had to parade every sin I'd ever committed before me. So I started my mission and all started to have these waves of doubt come. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I ignored the bishop and the stake president, but I just kept telling myself, I'm not worthy. I should go home. And I kept reliving every sin I've ever committed. And I'd get discouraged. And I'd kneel down and I'd feel a lot better. And then I'd stand up and I'd get discouraged. And I'd kneel down and I'd feel a lot better. And I'd get up and I'd get discouraged. I'm not good enough. I haven't done enough. I'm not good enough. He's disappointed in me. I should have been perfect. I should never have made those mistakes. How can I serve a mission? He must be so disappointed in me. And one day it was weighing so heavily on my soul and it was a zone conference. And so I was a brand, I was a greenie. I was brand new in the mission field and my companion was a zone leader. So we had to get there early. So we got to the chapel about an hour, about a half an hour to an hour before the meeting. And I knew I had a brief moment. So I th told myself, I'm going to find a quiet room in the chapel and I'm going to pray again and plead, plead that he doesn't hate me. And as I turned the corner in agony, it was my daughter moment. I heard the clearest voice from him I've ever, I'd ever heard in my life. He said, my son, I have forgiven thee. Why sufferest thou? And it just hit me. He's not this Messiah. And I never struggled after that. I let him in. Do you see the challenge? Am I the only one that has a struggle here? And fully letting him in? The C.S. Lewis story. I'll let you read it with me because it's just beautiful in print. I don't know which one's going to be better. Let me do my quotes. Um, in the, in the uh, silver chair, the sixth one, in the silver chair, Jill has been brought into Narnia and she knows nothing about Aslan. She doesn't know who Aslan is. Oops, I lost it. But she's very thirsty. She's dying of thirst. She hears some running water 
And she runs to it. And guess who's sitting in front of the running water? Aslan the lion. Massive lion. All she knows is she's thirsty and there's a lion. Now, do you see how that's a beautiful... I'm so glad C.S. Lewis chose a lion to represent Jesus. Because we're all a little afraid of it, aren't we? So Jill approaches... And there's a lion sitting in front of the water. I'm thirsty and there's a lion in front of the water. So as she approaches, Aslan says to her, are you not thirsty? Oh, I'm dying of thirst, said Jill. Then drink, said the lion. May I? Could I? And then? Would you go away while I did? There it is, right? There it is. That's, that. That's the desire in each one of us. Would you mind going away while I drink? Could you not notice me? Because I know what you're going to see. Would you mind going away while I do, said, the, said Jill. The lion answered this only with a look and a very low growl. And as Jill gazed at its motionless bulk, she, might as well re- she realized she might as well have asked the whole mountain to move aside for her convenience. The delicious rippling noise of the stream was driving her nearly frantic. Will you promise not to do anything to me if I do come? Is this going to hurt? Are you going to change me? Are you going to take things away? Will you promise not to do anything to me if I do come? I make no promise, said the lion. Jill was so thirsty now that without noticing it, she'd come a step nearer. Do you eat, girls? I have swallowed up girls and boys, women and men, kings and emperors, cities and realms, said the lion. It didn't say this as if it were boasting, nor as if it were sorry, nor as if it were angry. It just said it. I dare not come and drink. I'm scared of you, Lord. I dare not come and drink. Then you will die of thirst, said the lion. Oh dear, said Jill, coming a step nearer. I suppose I must go and look for another stream then. Tell me what Aslan says. There is no other stream. I think this is the staring. This is the moment where he's just like, Bryce, I'm right here. Are you going to open up? Are you going to let me in? Are you going to keep me out? There is no other stream. Now here's the fearing and trembling moment. Ready? It was the hardest thing she had ever had to do. But she went forward to the stream, knelt down, and began scooping up water in her hands. Now, what what happens when you let Jesus in? What happens when you finally fling the door open? It was the coldest, most refreshing water she had ever tasted. You didn't need to drink much of it because it quenched your thirst at once. Why do we keep him at a distance? Why are we afraid of him? That is the best water in the universe. And I'm scared to drink it. 
Thoughts? You've all seen this picture. I know you've all seen this picture. Right? What do, you, what do we all notice? There's no doorway. There's no door handle. So the only way he gets in is if I open. So he's just not. Tell me what's going on on the other side. Tell me what's happening on the other side. What would you do if Jesus knocked on your door? If he was coming to dinner at 7 o'clock tonight, what would you be doing? Frantically cleaning. In other words, I'm only letting him in when? When the house is presentable. When should he? When does he want to come in? When does the Savior want to come in? When it's a disaster. Let me help you clean. Don't clean without me. Don't let me in after you've cleaned. Let me clean with you. Uh-uh, I don't want you to see me like this. Let me put my Sunday clothes on and clean up the house and then I'll let you in. That's so ridiculous, isn't it? When do we let Jesus in? After we've done all the work. Instead of doing the work with him and drinking the water. Do you see the silliness? Do you see the barrier that goes up? We don't open the door when we should. Now, this idea that Jesus is disappointed, we need to change that idea. Let me see if I can help you change that perception of him. Do you remember the woman taken in adultery? Let's turn there. Turn to John chapter 8. Now, if ever a woman was prepped to be shamed by Jesus, it's this one, right? Taken in adultery. John chapter 8. This woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now, if ever Jesus was the kind of Messiah that, oh, I, oh this woman should get it, right? He should lay into this woman. So here's a woman taken in adultery. Now, the whole idea is they bring him to her. They bring her to him to trap him. Moses and the law, are you the Messiah? If he says stoner, then he's not merciful. If he says don't stoner, then he's not just and doesn't fall. Then we can go tell Rome that he's a threat and he can, they can destroy him. It's a trap. So Jesus avoids judging. Don't put me in this position. But they pressure him. So when they continued asking him, he lifted himself up and said, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. Did someone qualify? Did someone there qualify? Yes. Whoever doesn't have sin can throw a stone. Did the one who could have thrown a stone throw a stone? There's his attribute you need to understand. He doesn't throw stones. It is not in, he's qualified, but he doesn't throw stones. Now, they were all condemned by their guilt, right? And left him alone with the woman. 
So she finally looks up. Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. And Jesus waited him down. Again, he's looking. He lifted, when Jesus had lifted himself up and saw none but the woman. He's looking. Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? No man, Lord. Now listen carefully to what Jesus just said. Tyler, what did Jesus say? Neither do I condemn thee. Now, did he judge her? Let's be careful. Did he judge her? Did she say she is guilty of sin? Yes, that's very clear, right? He is very clearly saying she has transgressed. But what does he not do? He judged without condemnation. You get no shame from Jesus. You don't get any guilt. He doesn't rub it in your face. He's not disappointed. That's not the Messiah he is. Neither do I condemn thee. But he's very clearly saying what? Change. I know this is, a, this is hard to fathom, but if you were to have an interaction with Jesus, would you walk away shamed? No. Would you walk away knowing you needed to improve? Absolutely. Now there's a footnote you have to see. After he doesn't condemn her and says, go and sin no more. Tell me how she walks away. Picking up, go and sin no more. What does Joseph Smith add? This is a woman guilty of one of the, gross, the, the greatest sins you can commit. Jesus very much rebuked her, didn't she? Does she know she needs to change? But here's the thing. She walked away from Jesus, not with her head down and her tail between her legs. She walked away. How? Why are you nodding? What are you thinking, Tyler? <laughs> I, just, I just see like just um, how this is applied in my own life, right? Like just, just that we do believe in a, in a God of second chances, right? And from that hour, she believed on his name and glorified him. And I just can see that through through my own repentance process, through my own process of coming back to the church, right? Like, um, you see that in other scripture stories, like Alma the Younger, um, even Alma, right? Who was a priest of, of King Noah. Um, you have to accept it, right? You have to get to the point where you're, you drop the fear, you drop the vulnerability, and you drink next to him. And you open the door. It's a mess, Lord. It's a mess. Come help me clean. Because I know it's not shame I'm going to get from him. He wants to clean up with me. Not wait until I've cleaned up without him. But we've got to open that door when we're vulnerable. I wonder how many of you would agree with this student of mine. She sent me this. Uh, what scares me about letting him in 
is being vulnerable and this sense of being unworthy. Sometimes I feel like no matter what I do, it's never enough. I feel like when I'm asked to do something, I'm asked to do it perfectly. And again, I know it's not true, but I never feel like I'm enough. I just have it in my head that I have to be perfect or I'll be criticized or I'll disappoint others if I'm not. I don't want to let him in because I don't want to feel that feeling. I'm afraid of his disappointment. I've always had a hard time letting people in, especially those who can have a big impact on my life. I always fear what I would feel if and when I disappoint them or when or if they leave. I don't want to build a relationship in fear of losing them, especially if it's a relationship I hold close to my heart. If I don't let someone in, they can't hurt me. I know he won't hurt me, but there is still a deep-rooted fear that he will by what he asks of me. As soon as I feel vulnerable, this massive wall comes up. It's been like that for so long, I don't even realize it happens. And when it does, I push away whatever it is that, make, that is making me feel vulnerable until I feel safe again. And I've pushed him pretty far away. My plea with you today is to hear him say, daughter, son, and you fearing and trembling, fling that door open. When you're most vulnerable, you fling that door open and say, Jesus, now's the moment I need you. He won't shame you. He will lovingly help. With all my soul, I testify that that's true. I am his witness. And I know what kind of Messiah he is. And I testify he is the very Messiah you're hoping him to be. Trust that. And open the door. And let him in. He is not a terror. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.